0: It is about this customer that, believe it or not, I've been trying to reach for about nine months. So, no response. There must be a reason why they were not responding. Like, hey, I'll be in your area. I would love to come to your headquarters, visit and sit down and talk. No response. The renewal time came around. No response. The renewal happened. The renewal period elapsed. And then I got contacted by my financial team here. They actually want us to refund them half of their past subscription.
1: <laughs> Getting no response whatsoever is that is feedback of some sort, even if not actual feedback. Hi there, folks, and thank you for tuning into Lifetime Value. My name is Dylan Young, and I'm the host of this podcast, and I cannot thank you enough for giving our brand new podcast your time and attention. My goal with this podcast is to contribute something different and refreshing to the community in the form of a weekly podcast that keeps folks up to date on the goings on in our little corner of the professional world. Now, that being said, this episode was recorded in late 2022, and so it is not in our typical format. Still, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Peace. All right, Mr. Olivier Fiatti, welcome to Lifetime Value. It is great to have you here.
0: Thank you, Dylan.
1: Good to be here. Hey, you are a senior customer success manager at Comunda. Do I have that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: And you are also a founding member of Success in Black. Is that correct? That is correct. Very cool. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do in both roles that I just described?
0: Absolutely. Yes. I joined Camunda organization about a year ago. I am a senior customer success manager and I handle their enterprise clients. At Camunda, we have two tiers. We have an enterprise client and we have corporate clients. Most people call corporate clientele nowadays digital customer success. If you think of all these number of accounts that you don't need to manually handle, you categorize those under digital accounts. A corporate a CSM handle those. Whereas me and our teammates, we handle the enterprise level customers and in my capacity handle our Canadian customers, I'm bilingual French and English speaking person. So I'm more utilized for, especially the Canadian side. So it's been a year so far. I've been in the organization. It's been great, great. And I'm also a founding member, like you say, of Success in Black. And Success in Black is a platform that promotes and advances customer success within the Black and brown community. Joined the organization in February and was promoted last November as one of the founding members.
1: That's very cool. I actually have kind of a tactical question about the difference between a CSM that's serving in your world, the corporate customers versus the enterprise customers, do you see them as the corporate folks having a different skill set that allows them to think differently and maybe communicate in scale with customers on that digital aspect?
0: When you handle corporate account you tend to have a number of accounts, mostly 30 plus. Right. I was actually a corporate CSM in my previous organization, international, and I was handling, believe it or not, close to hundred plus customers. And obviously how you talk to all these customers during my tenure, I probably will talk to the fifth of them, which is about hundred. So when you're a corporate CSM or digital CSM, you talk to maybe the top tier paying customer of your pool because there is no way you can talk to all these customers. And it's a really low touch environment. So maybe one email per month will suffice. Yeah. One email per quarter will suffice because you cannot talk to them. So in an enterprise world, those are high touch. So you have to talk to each of these customers regularly, which I do right now. I have a total of seven accounts and I dedicate all my time for these seven accounts. So it's really high touch because those are large organizations. Maybe that's the difference between enterprise and digital because on the digital side, you have a number of accounts and you can talk to all of them. So you have to find a way to communicate with them and get their attention. But on the enterprise side, you have to talk to them regularly because of first how much they are paying your organization to get yourself to organization. And then also the level of engagement is highly superior. So for those, you have to stay engaged. I don't know if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Does Kamunda offer
1: multiple products? Can a customer sign for multiple statements of work? And is that also baked into the definition of the difference between enterprise and corporate? The answer could be yes or no for both of those questions. I I
0: would say we have tiers of tiers of license. You can come and purchase our lowest tier or purchase our highest tier. It's the same license platform. Our default program now we call it Camunda. is a cloud software that allows company to automate a system. As a small organization, you can just come and purchase a small piece of it as a larger organization, you can come and purchase the whole thing. So it, it pairs to the size of your organizations.
1: Got it. And there at Kamunda, what is a CSM responsible for? Obviously retention, that's kind of table stakes, right? But what about expansion, support, training? Do you guys get into that stuff as well?
0: Absolutely. And and when it comes to expansion, there are some of our clients that already agreed to have expansion in the following years in their contract. But there are some that we CSM identified during our day to day interaction. And let's say there is a feature that the customer currently doesn't have, but we have in our product stack that, can, that we see that can benefit them in the long run, that we propose that to them. And if they accept, then we work on the expansion. Uh, But ultimately the account executive or sales team are the one that are targeting those expansion, but since we are the one that handle those conversation one on one with the client, we identify those proactively, and then we pass it on to the sales team and we work together to close them with the client. Who is ultimately accountable? It seems
1: often, and we have this exact same conversation at my workplace, but who is ultimately accountable for that expansion? Would it be you or would it be sales?
0: It will be sales. Ultimately, it is part of their, I would say, compensation, if I can use that word. They are actually accountable for that. But we, as a CSM, can also help them. We work collaboratively to find those expansion opportunities. So if I find them, we work together to close it. But ultimately, it resides with the sales organization.
1: How long have you been in the customer success world, Olivier?
0: I would say a decade. And the reason why I say decade is because I'm including my previous years as account manager. So I started, I discovered customer success when I was at my old organization. I went from being a customer service person, and then was promoted to account management. And the account management was the same as a CSM. And the only difference was that it was more reactive. I was assigned a territory, I was assigned a customer, a group of customers I was handling. I was the main point of contact, handling all the escalations, which is a typical work of CSM, but there was no incentive of reaching out on a proactive way. We were just waiting for the interaction to come from the customers. There are some proactive activity that we were doing. They were minimal, very minimal, but it was just reactive. And also in that same model, the sales organization was considered the main point of contact was considered like the account owners. Mm -hmm. So we were just there as an account manager. And that was actually the function across the whole SaaS industry. And I believe the concept of customer success came around that time. And it was, for me, it was 2013 when I became account manager. And I was in that role until 2017. And during that period, the wave, or I would say the early phase of customer success started to arise. And I was on LinkedIn a lot and following many influencers and learning about, okay, what it is to be proactive. Is this something we can do? Can I just... Reach out to my customers, he was, what are they doing and see like, how can I help them better instead of just waiting for them to come to me and say, Hey, I need help. Hey, I would like to discuss this, add on situation. So it started to change the way I was thinking a little bit. And at the same time too, my company back then was considering actually the wave of CSM was actually touching my company and they started to think about it, like, okay, so what can we do here? So they started an early phase of customer success that they call retention. Mm-hmm. So they opened up a retention department and it took a few of our account managers to try it out. So it was just two, three people that they put in there and they called it retention. And they also, you know, during that retention phase to you know, that team learn about the concept. And we, we brought in a consultant to teach us more about it. And then after that retention phase worked, then in 2017, they departed to the whole account management team. So they made us, they we switched from being account manager to CSM, customer success. And that's where they introduced the whole concept of proactivity to us. And for me, I love that because I was, this, this whole time I was, even before I was transitioned officially into the role, I was reaching out to my client on more way to see if I can get more out of them, if I can have discussions. So I think I was actually ahead of the game mentally, but doing that action. So when it was introduced officially to the company, I was like, wait, that's what I was waiting for this whole time. So I jumped on it. Um, full strength, and then with the LinkedIn influencers that I follow, I was able to develop my ability. And then over the past, in the next course of three years that I stay at the company, I actually won many awards for being one of the best CSM. And as a matter of fact, in 2020, I won the customer success achievement award at Mutual International, for that matter. And then that's when I actually, that's where I discovered my passion for the role for the CSM. And by 2020, when COVID happened and we all went walking from home, There was more ability to take courses. So I jumped on LinkedIn Learning, taking Rick Adams practical CSM courses, followed Christopher Torusola. She was doing her webinars from Clan Success. And also this gentleman, Paul Henderson from Australia. He wrote the book The Outcome for Leaders. So I downloaded the PDF edition online and started reading it. So from there, I just started self-learning about the profession. And uh, the rest is history. Now I consider myself, I'm not a fully-fledged CSM, but I think I'm getting there when it comes to the professions. So that was a long-winded answer, but that's- It was. (laughs)
1: You know what I think is interesting? Yes. Pardon me. Is customer success is new enough that these stories, like you just told, are a dime a dozen, right? Everybody had what I refer to as a revelation as it relates to customer success. And what I think is interesting is that yours is so closely related to mine. I also was a quote-unquote account manager for quite a few years. But for me, I didn't have a catalyst at my organization to make that change. Instead, mine was, I read Ruben Rabago's book, about the handbook for customer success. And I read it front to back in a matter of, I don't know, 48 hours, mostly because as I got deeper into it, what I realized was, holy crap, everything I've been doing is customer success. It is just not what it was referred to as. And so what's interesting is yours was proactivity. So my account management role was always proactive and it was learn their business, talk to them about their strategic initiatives, where they're going next, how our solutions can fit into that. So we didn't even have to learn those skills. We were already being told to do those things, but we were not calling it customer success. And there are a million variations of our same story where we were called something else. Maybe we had a piece of the strategy or we had the whole strategy, but we were calling it something else. We're compensated in a different way. We're incentivized in a third way. So I think it's so interesting how many of those stories exist out there absolutely what what is it about customer success that excites you why do you stick around even after obviously what has i wouldn't call it tumultuous right but your journey has been a winding one to get here what is it about customer success that gets
0: you excited every day ultimately it's the ability to help my client and see the result, interaction impacting their outcome. Again, we all operate in SaaS world and customers come to us, to any organization to purchase a SaaS product or any product for that matter, to actually gain something out of it and improve their end of the business. But yes, they might come to us to purchase that, but they need some guidance. They need some assistance to help them get there. Support team at any organization are just there to react when there is a problem. But having somebody, a dedicated person that can help you along the way, work hand in hand with you to get there is something different. And even for clients too, clients that have SaaS product, working with a CSM at those organizations is actually a game changer. For me, that's actually what is exciting. Having the ability to help my client get there. And at the end of the day, after they have deployed the software and they have seen the impact of that software in their day to day life. And how it's impacting them and how it's saving them money and then coming to me and providing those feedback whether it's a survey or whether it's a red contact or even reaching out to an executive to say hey i love your product thanks to your csm those are things that actually excite me those are actually the reward that i get from being a CSM. that's why i continue all these years to be in the profession and i'm not giving up actually Now I'm actually giving back to the community of, to all these people that are looking to join the same profession to communicate to them the joy of being a CSM through, of course, my success in black community. And being on this podcast. And being on this podcast, absolutely. (laughs) At what point in the
1: conversation did the outcome-based results enter your mind, or did you start landing on those in your profession? Because that's such a a huge piece of of customer success is your ability to show or quantify success for your customers. So at what point did that become a part of the conversation and a part of your
0: mindset with customer success? I think that happens when I started doing business reviews with clients in my previous organization, although it was digital, we still have those moment now, sit down with them once a year, twice a year, and just have a talk about, have a recap of the past few months of relationship, and they will tell me what our software have done internally within the organization. The cost, the time they have saved, the less cost they have spent and all their interaction, and then the fact, and my personal impact to the organization by showing them, for example, a new feature that have been released that they were not aware of that will potentially help them and see how it impacted the bottom line. So that's when it started to have, that's where the outcome team started to get ingrained in my mind. Like, okay, so I'm not just here to just serve as the voice of the customer, the point of contact between my client and my organization. I'm actually doing something internal that is helping them improve their bottom line. So that's where that conversation starts to ingrain in me. And that's where I started to pay attention to. Okay, yes, I'm a CSM, but I'm actually impacting my customer in a great way, reducing the cost and improving the bottom line. I love that story. I think that's a big part of the role is
1: your ability to help them visualize that return on investment and that success. So it's, it is definitely one of the most rewarding parts of the profession. Now, up to this point, we've been pretty positive in our stories about customer success, but I always, when I talk with fellow CSMs, whether I'm at a conference or in person, I do it with my colleagues all the time. I like to spend a little bit of time talking about where things have gone wrong too. Okay. So these are usually the best part of any conference or work holiday party, because we all know that not every customer interaction goes flawlessly. So here on Lifetime Value, we want to hear your best customer horror story. And when you tell this story, tell us what happened and most importantly, what did you learn from it?
0: Sure. I don't even know where to, which one to pick because there are so many sometimes. I will just pick my recent one. It is about this customer that, believe it or not, I've been trying to reach for about nine months. So I was assigned the account early spring this year and started engaging them because it's an enterprise client. Zero silence. I didn't give up because I was like, you know what? They might- there must be a reason why they were not responding. I actually engaged them like every other week to see if I can get a response out of them. No response. And I was even allowed to travel to the territory to visit my client in the area in Canada. So before my travel, I sent them, "Hey, I'll be in your area. I would love to come to your headquarters, visit, and sit down and talk. I even take you to lunch." So I took a many of my clients to lunch, so I sent them a note. No response. And I continued, continued to interact, I continued to send them a note, no response. And even the renewal time came around, and I was like, this will be the opportunity where they have to say something. They have to come to you know, the right. policy. I have yeah. to con- confirm the renewal, at least 90 days in advance. And after 90 days in their contract, if they don't declare it, so it's an automatic renewal. I send them the note, no response. So, I'm like, this is a dumb deal. We have those customers sometime that we call those customers that are just happy about your product. They don't need any interaction and just go to renewals. And I thought it was one of them. I was like, they don't need me after all, everything that they have, like our system is just like that All machine going through their engine. So they don't need anything. So the renewal happened, the renewal period elapsed and then I got Contacted by my financial team here say, Hey, by the way, this customer just sent us a note that they are not going to continue paying and they are terminating the contract. I was like, that's odd. And then I reached out to that contact because a different contact. And I reached out, I was like, Dear customer, yeah, I just got this message here. Would you mind on the call, please? And they said, sure. And it was a different contact altogether. So the contact that I had supposedly has left. But for some reason, the email did not send any rejection or any out of office or any anything at all. So I thought that contact was still there. So we got on the call and I told them my company stand Like, I've been trying to, I'll be trying to reach you personally for nine months and we received no response. So for us, that means that everything is correct. Everything is going well. You don't need us. I even sent an email to confirm renewal. No response. Yep. But now you... I was saying that you don't want to renew. You want to you don't want to continue. So what should we do here? They said, they have not received anything from me. I was like, that's inaccurate. These are the proof here. Even one gentleman on the call was one of my recipients. So he said, this is inaccurate, but let's not, it's not about being petty. I just want to say, how can I help you? So how can we help you here? And they said, so actually what they want is to not, con- they, they have not fully utilized our software and they would like to cancel. And they actually get this. They actually want us to refund them half of their past subscription. I was like, I don't think you're never going <laughs> to ever going to get that. That's uh, that's stretching it. So I was like, you know what, dear customers, those requests are realistic. We actually want you to fulfill the full term of your contract. And because you have already entered by default, by contract, you, the next time we want you to pay us the second half. And that's when it got really <laughs> ugly. And they called me names on the calls and they just terminated the call. They just hung up. They, they hung up, up on you. Yeah. They say get your management to contact us. This is, I was like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> so, because it will be something if there has been communication leading up to this call, Sure. And no communication, zero silence for nine months. And all of a sudden, finally, I get somebody to talk to me and they are wanting us to pay them half of the past contract, instead of paying us, instead of fulfilling the whole thing and paying us additional half for the contract. So that had, that went horribly wrong. And then I was like, okay. So long story short, so right now it was, it's been escalated and working with my manager on it and they're trying to come back in some fashion. But for me, my lesson is we just don't know. And I even, you know, had many discussions with management is that, what was the best way to have gotten their attention? And I couldn't think of any. I used all the media possible. I even wanted an on-site visit. And I was like, maybe I could have just dropped into the office. But that would be impolite. I can't just get into a customer's office and try to have them talk to me. Yep. So that would be the drastic way. But I was like, know I didn't get a permission to go. Because that was the only thing. Because emails go unanswered. Can I just drop in there and say, hello? Maybe that will have changed something. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. So that was horribly wrong. And yeah, so currently we are trying to help them still. And now that they are starting to engage, but it was just one of those. I was like, whoa, that's crazy.
1: So I have a saying that no response is still a response. It is a valuable data point. Even if it is a zero on the scale, you learn that, right? That (laughs) getting no response whatsoever is... That is feedback of some sort, even if not actual feedback. And so you found out that person had left at where you work. Is it common practice to only have a single point of contact? Is that how your service typically works? Like only one, it only needs one user?
0: No, actually, no. The organization that I'm talking about, we actually was emailing close to five people. So okay. it's not just one. So the main guy left, but other people in the chain, we're still there. And that meeting that I had to one of the main guy was on that call. He was just not a decision maker. The main decision maker was gone, mm-hmm. but the email was going to that person that actually appeared on that call nine months later. So, and actually the call, that's what I told him. I was like, you said that I have not communicated about this gentleman in the call was my emails. And he was just there. The gentleman, when I pointed to him, was going, you were on the, those communication nine months. I didn't get anything from you. He it didn't say anything. So for, he said, that's the response. So he acknowledged, he could just admitted himself and said, no, I never received anything. But he didn't say anything, he just let him score. So that for me, that was the response that yes, he received it, he just took it all right.
1: So that is not a unique customer horror story, but one that still keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. This idea of you do everything in your power. I just went on a tirade about this this morning, doing everything in your power, doing everything right. And still these dang customers don't fall into line sometimes. And I think it brings to light the various motivations within every human being, right? My motivations are different than your motivations are different than your brothers and sisters and neighbors and customers. We don't all operate in business the same way. And one that I think is most interesting is even the various users of your company's software at a customer, their values are completely different. The reasons they use your software, the value they find from your software, and then the way in which they might choose to cancel that subscription, all different, yeah. all very different.
0: Oh, that's right. right.
1: And I think one of our mandates in customer success is, is for as many people as we meet is to try and understand what their motivations are and what value they derive from your products that you sell to them, but also the relationship.
0: Yeah.
1: That's That's a good one. That's a good one. It's going to keep me up at night even more. All right, let's move on to our next segment. This is a fan favorite. This is the segment we call BS. In CS. Biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. What is it within customer success that if you had to choose one, what is the trend catchphrase or otherwise that you would like to see done away with?
0: There are so many, I don't know if I can choose one of them. <laughs> the one you mentioned earlier actually makes sense for me. It's, I think it will be, there are many people out there that, you know, call themselves influencer. And I think prior to this podcast, when you and I were chatting, I told you, I don't like the term influencer. <laughs> I know they gave it, me a twenty twenty two whatever influencer. how I, I found you. I'm sorry. That's how I found you. Yes. I was like, I don't see myself (laughs) as influencer at all. The term influencer, I will say it's negative, but it tends to be associated with all these celebrities on TikTok, Mm -hmm. Instagram. Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Yes. So that's the image of influencer I don't want. But that's that's, when I hear the term, that's that's the picture that, that I get. I see myself more as somebody that is trying to help. So to ask your question, there are people on LinkedIn also that are trying to be South Bay or Kim Kardashian, and they think that they know it all. And like you say, it's, in, it's a new profession. And to think that you know it all, it's actually wrong. There are organizations out there like Sex Hacker, CSM, Practical CSM with Rick Adams. And so they actually have curriculum that show you how to, you know, get all the knowledge necessary to become a CSM. And then you have other people posting stuff left and right about CS and people are following them. Mm-hmm. And for me is how can we get a standardized process within CSM? Because anybody can just wake up one day and be a CSM, but how do you vet a real CSM? Mm-hmm. And I don't criticize anybody, everybody's doing their best, but all these people that are posting, I'm not going to anybody on the show that I'm thinking of, but all of these people that are posting stuff out there, thinking of themselves as influencer, what is the process to vet them? And that's for me, that's the thing I want to get rid of all the people that are just posting stuff out there and I have no backing, no, no proof to it, you know, and literally they can copy a post from the acknowledged CSM influencers and just post on their page and get a bunch of likes and comments and stuff. But it's not vetted. So it's not proprietary. It's basic plagiarism. But people are following them. People are liking it and commenting and following them. So if I have to do it with something, it would be those people. Because more people are coming to us, so they need a source of trust. People that can rely to teach them the right way to do the job. And if people just post whatever, then it will lose, and the CSM will lose its prestige. Does that make sense? I think it does. I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Because
1: Customer success can be a lot of things, and it's different for every organization. That's why at the top of the show, I asked you, what are you responsible for? What do you guys have to do? And a real genuine question I had was around, is there a different skill set? Do you guys hire especially differently for corporate versus enterprise? And I think going forward, you'll see that more often because folks who can communicate at scale in digital mediums or via Pendo or Intercom or WalkMe, or things like, that's a very different skill set than what I view today. And again, it's just me as an enterprise customer success individual who can talk the talk about your business and understand your p and l to an extent and can understand your strategic initiatives and how it is that our products or services or new beta services we might be bringing out can serve that. I think those are two very different skill sets and a healthy argument could be made. Which one is more valuable in another five years? I don't know if it's the enterprise customer success manager necessarily. I think the other thing to keep in mind, and it's to piggyback off of what you said, is uh, to, to anybody out there just getting into customer success or you could be an SVP of customer success. If you're going out there looking for information from others be very clear on why it is they're sharing that information because so often it has an ulterior motive to it they've got consulting to sell you they've got a book they're trying to sell uh anything like that you got to be very careful about what it is you're paying for, because if it's not your money, maybe... It's something else that you're paying for when taking the time to read people's stuff and so on. And...
0: I agree. And that's why when, when I go to those posts, there's always a link they ju- they, post on, they put on the comment to, if you want more details, click here. And you click it. Obviously, it's a link. They're selling you to either take a, a one-on-one course for 30 minutes or one hour. I don't sell any courses. I talk to many CSM people. I help people align. People in my network with a resume and give them advice. I don't charge anything. But these people when they post stuff and then... You click the, on the link, they direct you to have a one-on-one chat with me and one-on-one coaching at this hundred dollars or whatever. So like you said, that's the alternative motive they are having. And what they are teaching is I have vetted. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe in the future, vetting the profession will, will come into play. And I'm glad that, like a success hacker and some, as you already started to define having those, having a curriculum for TSM from a trust of space. Yeah. Well, Olivier, we've got a few more minutes
1: left here. I want to wrap things up by moving to our conclusion. So, number one, every guest we have on the show, we like to ask them for a shout-out for their CS Player of the Week. Who out there is moving the customer success profession forward in the past seven days for you? Is there somebody specific you'd like to give a shout-out to?
0: Someone specific? Actually, I have a, a, a... A few people, but if <laughs> I don't know if it will be allowed, uh, yes, a... yes, go for it. List sure. them all, of course. Definitely, I you know Christy Fato from Client Success, she's always moving on uh, this profession in a positive direction. Also, what's his name again? Um, Catalyst Software, Kevin Chu, and Edward Chu. Mm. I had the privilege mm-hmm. to talk to Edward Chu, the CEO, a month ago. Great team, great software. Also, too, in my success in Blackfield, AGMA Iroma Soli. She's our success in Black founder. Also, moving the game, especially helping a lot of people looking like us get into the profession. Shout out to her. Yeah. And who can I say, finally, I would give a shout out to my CSM team, my global CSM team at Camunda. It's a wonderful team that I work with. I come every day with the joy of with a collaborative team and really a passionate team of CS people. So a whole shout out to the global CSM team at Kamunda.
1: That's really cool. I think that's, sometimes that's the most valuable thing in customer success is having a team around you because so much of what we do is solving problems that are brand new, or don't have a roadmap for how to fix them and having folks to lean on. Maybe they have institutional knowledge. Maybe they have knowledge from a previous life, another company that they've worked for. I don't think that gets called out enough how important that team is and that support structure. So that's great. How about uh, referrals and recommendations, Olivier? If you could take the audience members and point them in the direction of any one thing or activity, what would it be?
0: I usually recommend anybody in CS to take the practical CSM courses, the LinkedIn learning from Rick Adams. Those seven courses actually will give you the foundation of the profession. If you're brand new to CSM and you like you to understand and learn more without even paying for it, because I tell people you can get the LinkedIn Learning, you can get a, a premium LinkedIn membership and cancel it by the 29th day so you don't have to pay <laughs> for, the, for the renewal. Get a free a free tool, the free 30 days trial. Just send your clock to now remember remember to cancel it. And just spend that month taking all the seven courses from Rick Adams. It will give you the foundation of the profession. And after that, if you want to explore, I'll point them to Success Hacker. People within Success in Black, we have a, a deal already with Success Hacker. So if you're a member of Success in Black, you get a discount. But if you don't, you can still go to the website and take courses there and take the CCSM one and two and three if you will. And those will give you a condition. So for so those are so I'll point people to, to learn more. And obviously following influencers, good influencer of course, Mustafa <laughs> Russell and Scrant Success, they host uh, webinars every quarter. And her courses are so valuable. I've learned so much from her courses, her webinars. And I apply some of them also in my organization. Talk to other people that told me that they have been using her, her webinar into the organization. So that those are courses that I would recommend, definitely.
1: That's perfect. I want to go back to your promotion of fleecing LinkedIn out of 30 days free of learning LinkedIn. That is not sanctioned by this podcast. Please do not blacklist us. If you're going to punish anybody, make sure you find Olivier Fiati, <laughs> uh, his profile specifically, and not Dylan Young's. Thank you very much.
0: By the way, <laughs> I actually have a membership with LinkedIn anyway, so for a year or so.
1: <laughs> Just a strategy if you want. All right. So. <laughs> Until this podcast catches the attention of LinkedIn and they take down your profile, Olivier, where can folks connect with you?
0: Just that my name, Olivier, and on my LinkedIn, you have my full last name spelled Fiaty Amenufor F-I-A-T-Y, F-N-A-M-E-N-O-U-V-O-R. So Olivier, but I mean also Olivier Fiatia, you can find me easily F-I-A-T-Y. And then yeah, and then you can just send me a request and I accept all requests.
1: Perfect, and I'll put it in the show notes if, that's, if that was difficult for anybody to to follow. It's a long last name, so yes. I'll make sure I give them a link. Where can folks learn more about Kamunda?
0: Go to our website, kamunda.com, and we actually allow people to try our software for free. There's a 30-day trial of Kamunda Cloud. Just click and download, and after 30 days, if you like, what, there will be a link there to email our marketing team. And if you're a large organization trying Kamunda, and then you happen to subscribe to the product, I may, I may be a CSM, who knows? If not, feel free to reach out. Uh, people contacting me that are not client customers, a current customer to learn more about CSA, about, I'm sorry, Kamunda, and I help them out. But yeah, go and download the software, use it. It's easy, build your processes. And if you have any questions, just email the marketing team or email me.
1: Perfect. And how about Success in Black? Where can folks learn more about that?
0: Yeah, on, on LinkedIn. We actually have also our website, successinblack.co.com. So that's the website, so you we successinblack.co, also LinkedIn, successinblack, and then follow, and we post
1: regularly. That's perfect. Olivier, you are a rock star. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a good rest of your day.
0: Thank you, Dylan. It's a pleasure being here, and then, yeah, so hopefully uh, people that will listen to it enjoy, and i uh, looking forward to continuing to help the community.
1: You've been listening to Lifetime Value, the podcast for customer success professionals. If you like what you've heard, please rate our show and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Please note that the views expressed in these conversations are attributed only to those individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their respective employers. For all inquiries, please reach out via email to dylan at lifetimevaluepodcast.com. Find us on YouTube via our channel, Lifetime Value, and find us on the socials at Lifetime Value Podcast. Until next time.